Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Can't wait question of the day, 0800 150 Mark wants to know about the All Blacks. Yeah, me too. But what I want to do, I was going to ask you about your fondest or your favourite memory of the All Blacks Springboks clash. The old foe. Izzy will have about a thousand. I re- <laughs> you, Izzy, you can't, don't come up with the obvious ones because we already know those. Your first try <laughs> and then the try where you nearly got your head taken off by Steve Anson. You come up with something. Oh. You'll have a story that you haven't thought about yet. You think about that. Kempi, you've watched so many of these battles, as have I, as have you. Double eight, double three. What is one of your fondest memories of an old foe battle? The All Blacks versus Springboks. This test this weekend, Daggy said it yesterday, this is the perfect time for the All Blacks to prove themselves back to their country and win back their fans because the Springboks are the hardest test in world rugby. Everybody knows that. So what's your favourite memory? Come through on double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Nominations from World Cups, from test matches, from anything. I want to hear from you. Richie has called through an upper heart for the can't wait question of the day. What do you have for us, Richie? Um, back to 96, living in Wairu, um, and w- they just put a sky transmitter on Mount Edmont, Mount Taranaki, so we could finally get sky in Wairu, and we had to have a, like a mask about the size of the, the height of the sky tower to get it, plus that's about $500. <laughs> so normal Saturday, off boys playing rugby, and sometimes that meant going down to Wanganui to play, and obviously the bus trip with the orange juices on the way home, and... <laughs> Trying to stay awake, not get too hyped up with vitamin C for the two o'clock, three o'clock kickoff for those four tests and just that the third test we played over there, that clinched the series on Sean Fitzpatrick pumping the fist on the ground, hitting the ground yeah. and that. Yeah, it's just that whole time we all talk always bring it up when we get boys get back together. Had a rule. Um, if you fell asleep during the rugby you get punched in the head <laughs> <laughs> until you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> so they got fished out a fair bit. But yeah. yeah, just great memories from that just that whole time, the whole story about it. Ninety six. Ninety six they go back after the ninety five World Cup. Redemption, they win their first series over in South Africa. One of the greats, Richie.
appreciate you, mate, coming through on the Kinar Tire phone line 0800 150811. Louis. I, for me, it, it was 2005. It, well, not actually even a, not even one of the games, but when Tana Umanga got up the front in that, it was at Carisbrook, I'm certain Dunedin. of it. Dunedin. Kappa yep. Opango and unleashed this hucker we'd never seen before. I didn't Ooh. I don't know if it was expected. I can't remember I was too young at the time, but I remember just sitting there at my grandparents' place, everyone just going silent and just kind of like the crowd going berserk. The f- I just remember the flames and just like, oh wow, like Tana Umanga had so much mana and he just he looked so powerful and Who's they look back did he whack? He's whacking Was it Collins or um Yeah. Yeah maybe just that team in that moment, I was just it gives me chills and, and that was so it's not actually on the field but before the game. What about you, Kimpy? Uh well I, there's a n- the number of South African games. I like watching the South Africans uh, all black games because they're so tough. Um but the nineteen eighty one Springbok tour to New Zealand is what is what sticks out of my mind as a memory because of the the division and how it I guess raised the nation against apartheid, and my my cousin especially um, decided to be one of those blokes who put a helmet on and, and go and join the protest, basic to make a stand against that apartheid. Um, and and I think it really put us on the as a rugby nation out there in front of everyone else because of the way that the New Zealand nation, as, as far as support. Um, looked at apartheid and, of course, supported rugby union. So as the years have passed on and we've got all these wonderful players now coming through the Habanas and all that and the South African side and and all these wonderful games, um, I think you can take it back to that 1981 uh, New Zealand tour that we finally got through, got past that that, that line in the sand, so to speak. But that's, that, for me, is my biggest memory. Yeah. Love it, Kimpy. Izzy, did you have one that's not you scoring a famous try? Uh, <laughs> look, yeah, look, where do I start? No, no, I've got a couple. I've got a couple. One of the ones that stick out is, is 2015. Obviously, I've missed the World Cup, but just seeing the boys in the semi final at the World Cup, um, the first try, Jerome Kano down the right side, that big fin to get us off to a good start. But then just South Africa just being so niggly and just staying through that game. The weather wasn't too great, but in that last 20 minutes, just seeing Dan Carter really take over, really take ownership and, and obviously kick that drop goal and we won by one point to go through the final rest of history. So that'll be one of them. And one, another one I played in was probably 2016 where we were heading to, we were playing in Durban, heading to the park, Shock Park to play <laughs> South Africa. And I remember it. I was sitting just in front of Rito and we were driving. They had police escorts to the games. You know, we were sitting there and this policeman on a motorbike comes hooning down the right, uh, left-hand side of us. I'm like, Whoa, what's, what's he speeding up for? Anyway, didn't see the parked car. Where both <laughs> just, did this, just did this big flip and like KO'd themselves. And we we're like, oh my, just trying to focus on a test match in an hour's time, but wondering if this guy's alive. He smokes himself. We go to the game and uh, find out after the game he was actually okay and only had a couple of scratches, but went on to win that game by the high school ever. Over 50 points we mm. put on South Africa. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, Ran right. 60, yeah, uh, 16. So, one of my fondest. Oh, that's that's really cool. Um, I just read that Brian Habana, when that, in 2005, he was standing there, he was 22 years old, and he had this look of disbelief. I've just gone and watched it. The look on his face, facing that hucker. Brian oh, Habana. he's hounding me. T- he's hounding me. He's like, you told me Thursday. 
I said, yeah, it's Thursday here, Wednesday your time. <laughs> he said, you got to, he's like, you got to down something. <laughs> I said, I'm not down anything. Ryan, come on, mate. He would be the only bloke in the world that has played 100 tests for his country, raced the cheetah and partied with Cam Smith after he won the Open. He scored tries for fun and was a nightmare to try and tackle. These current All Blacks should be glad he won't be out there terrorising them this weekend. The legend, Brian Habana, is on the line. Morning, Brian. Afternoon to you, my friend. Brian, my friend. Hello, can you guys hear me? Hello. I can hear you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Got you loud and clear Sorry. now. How you doing, mate? Sorry. Yeah, goodness, I'm saying uh, I reckon we're going to keep this under two minutes. I've got an early tea time tomorrow morning, so it um, <laughs> is uh, 10 minor, really. <laughs> Wait, I am well, Dags, what's happening? Oh, mate, I'm very, very good. First off, first off, mate, we, tell us about this this open trip. We saw a photo of you with Cam Smith and Sam Pinfold celebrating at the after party, and Pinners is listening to the show, so he's here to remind us. Ask Brian about the after party, mate. How was it? So I was spinning a yarn with George Gregan on the Saturday. Uh, Cam Smith was sort of in the running, but not really in, in place. And then I saw John Villiers and Skulk Berger with, with Cam, and I thought, oh, I need to also go put a shrimp on the barbie. So <laughs> had an absolute ripper. What a good man. Um, yeah, he definitely showed us how to drink a few from the shoe, uh, or more a few from the Ryder Cup trophy. Uh, what a man, what a legend. I mean, to go... To Eight under on the final day of the British Open at the old course to you know, upset all the Northern Hemisphere um, supporters was pretty special. And getting to experience that as my first major championship, not going to lie to you, the stuff that bucketless dreams are made of. Mate, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing your socials at all the greatest golf events. And, mate, how do we get invited to these things? Yeah, you need to be a 24 handicap, Izzy. You know, you guys that are the single single digits just don't get invited. You know, you don't get invited if you if you're single digits. Oh, very very envious of you, mate. But love your mahi, love your work. Hey, Brian, what's the, what's the feel? What's the vibe like, mate? Is any of the South Africans buying this underdog status that the All Blacks currently have? Um. I mean, it's it's not often that you go into a Test match week against the ABs as the favorites you know particularly you know as any team in the world obviously everyone has seen you know what happened uh, against the irish and i think there would be a lot of hesitation from jacques ninova sia and the boys to sort of pin themselves as favorites i think you know a hurting all black is definitely something they they won't take lightly and i think you know given what's happening given the potential amount of turmoil you know the one thing you can always know from the all blacks is they know how to bounce back so I think there'll be a lot of respect uh, when the All Black, uh, when the Springboks face the, the All Black Harker this weekend. You know, there will be no underestimation of, you know, what this All Black side can do, uh, because I think a lot of previous Springbok teams have witnessed that. And given the fact that the Springboks haven't beaten the All Blacks in South Africa since 2014, it's yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure oh. on the boys to perform. So, yeah, not yeah, again, not going into the history, but there's a lot of pressure, and you know, the All Blacks. I think I see potentially enjoying the underdog tag at the moment. So, what a what a game of rugby we set for. Hey, hey, Brian, you like you talk about the turmoil, and South Africa itself has had over the years a, a, a number of uh, tumultuous um, times with their coaching staff and changes. What do you make of what's happening with the All Blacks at, at the moment? Like it's real foreign territory down here. What do you make of it? So I think. 
you know, as a, someone that's played against All Blacks, understood the 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 manner in which the All Blacks set standards. I do think what we have been seeing in rugby globally, and it's not just All Blacks. I, I do think there's been an increased heighten of standards set, you know, by teams throughout the world. You know, you look at how France and their development has gone on. You, know, you look at Ireland under 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 Faz. You know, he's really put things together and, and done some incredible things. You know, South Africa after turmoil with Alistair Kutsia back in 2016-17, you know, with heavy defeats against the All Blacks and how Rusty turned that around. So I think the general standard of international rugby has definitely improved. And as almost as, I want to say, respect tag to the All Blacks that they have been setting the bar so high for the last 30-odd years that you know, the team's now realizing that to get to that level, their standards need to increase. So, again, it's it's... It's interesting seeing the All Blacks um, in the position they're in. Um, again, you know, a, a year out from a from a Rugby World Cup, where for the last five or six, the All Blacks have always gone in as as the number one team in the world. It's really interesting, uh, but I do think it's it's a setting of standards that the All Blacks have put in place for the better part of the last thirty years, and and all the teams are catching up now. So, I do think the change in world rugby, you know, the 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 happenings in the Southern Hemisphere of you know, South Africa pulling out of Super Rugby. Um, the change in you know, how a lot of things are going about is, is also impacting that. So I don't think you can put it down to one thing, um, but I do know that the one thing you can count on is the, the ABs bouncing back, and I, I've, I'm, I'm very wary of a, of a wounded all-black team. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've been saying that too, mate. If you want to go win back your nation, there's no better place to go and do it in South Africa against the Springboks, one of the... The best test matches you'll ever be a part of. Hey, a South African point of view, um, Brian, from from their series against Welsh, probably a lot closer than most anticipated. Obviously, Wales stealing that second test. Yeah. Where do you see their game at, mate? Are they showing signs? And obviously, Faf de Klerk coming back into the fold. Do you like that change? Mm. So, firstly, against Wales, Izzy, I, again, I think there was a lot of expectation that it would be a, a clean series sweep for the Springboks. I you know, a lot of changes that were made you know, in a greater mm. plan leading into a World Cup and giving a lot of players opportunity. I I didn't foresee what happened in that second test match. I think to Wales's credit, they definitely stepped up physically against the Springboks in those first two test matches. And, you know, the lack of cohesion definitely came to the fore. Um, you know, more settled side in that third test match, you know, definitely showed what the Springboks are capable of. But, I don't think the Springboks, you know, were properly prepared for Wales. And, you know, they now had you know, a couple of weeks break where, you know, seeing some of the images on social media, they've really been put to, to the test uh, on the training park <laughs> with a lot of fitness. And again, the one thing the All Blacks do do is they run the ball quite a bit. And if you're not physically right and ready for that, um, from a fitness level perspective, you get found wanting. So they'll know there's a lot that they would have to work on post the World Series. I do think there's a lot more stability and experience. Um, Fuff de Clark wasn't incredibly accurate from a kicking game perspective against Wales, and that's potentially why you know he wasn't played in that third test match. So a lot of pressure on senior players to perform from a South African perspective, and they'll know you know heading into a rugby championship, you know coming up against an all-black side that is willing to you know go to, to the ends of the earth to try to look for that victory. They're going to have to be at their very best to beat them. Hey, Brian, you, you'll be a, a good person to talk to this. What have you made of this rush defence that has taken Rugby Union by storm? I know you probably, was Les Kiss part of your defensive uh, structure back when you were, you were playing that uh, brought that Rugby League 
rush defence. What do you make of it currently in the in world rugby? And if you're a winger, what suggestions would you make offensively to try and beat that um, that speed of line? Yeah, so as a winger, and I think the the fifty twenty two rule, you know, has sort of been brought into play to make sure that that rush defence is tried to be eliminated, or that the defence has to be a little bit more hesitant. I'm not going to complain about rush defence because it actually led to quite a few tries being scored from an intercept <laughs> perspective, which I'm not <laughs> complaining about. I was going to bring um, that up. <laughs> You're talking to the right man. He, is Izzy and the AVs exploited it uh, once or twice uh, coming up against me. So I think as as a winger, and I think the you know the general consensus is definitely for your fly half and and the options that they have to actually have a little bit of width. And I think the AVs did it really well against the Springboks when we were sort of at the peak of of that defensive rush system. And I think Les Kiss did bring in a lot of that from a South African perspective. Jake White was you know very very pedantic on that and I think the biggest thing with the rush defense is to try from a South African perspective you know get the you know get them back into what we call the the washing machine the tumble dryer where you know the, the flower has to go into those big bulky forwards and you know try try stand to that physicality but it's trying to create width on your game and almost lulling the opposition to be making an option for you so if anyone is running out of rushing out of line and creating a better option to sort of float over their head or put a little ding through. But it is about giving your fly half options close you know, in an inside and outside, but also potentially out wide for, for the cross kick. So, again, it makes rugby exciting. Um, and, again, if you can exploit it properly, um, you get found one thing. And I'll be honest, I did score a few intercept tries, but I also <laughs> did you know, let a few tries through. So... It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a all in and make it or all in and you absolutely fail. Yeah, we, one of our um, game players, mate, wherever Brian is, don't pass the ball that way because you get sniffed out and he's down the other end, mate. We we didn't go but your that's way why we had anytime, John mate. That's, that's, that's <laughs> why we had John de Villiers. <laughs> hey, talking of John de Villiers, I, I saw his comments regarding the game and South Africa's identity. Yeah. They, they go to the kick. They're very physical. They love the contact area. But when they get it right and they're able to use the ball, they're very, very dangerous. So do you see them this year, uh, uh, this weekend in Nelspruit using the ball, playing a different game? I've played games when I've expected them to kick and put up the box mm. kicks. And then they've gone wide, mate. We've been caught out plenty of times. So what, what style of game are you expecting from the box this weekend? Yeah, I don't think we'll see too much variation. Uh, the Springboks really love you know being able to regain possession. I think a lot of people see the kicking game as trying to kick the ball away. I think where the Springboks are and have got really, really good is the ability to win back that 50-50 contestable kick. Um, if they're accurate, which I'm really hoping that Puff Declare gets this weekend, the counter option to that is that if you don't get it right, if your defensive line you know, isn't properly set and in place, you know the All Blacks exploit that exceptionally quick. What I do really like, though, is the makeup of the of the back line at the moment. You know, Someone like Damien Willemse, who went really well in the URC and has that sort of fly half, you know, second receiver type attacking instinct. Um, you know, his first inclination, particularly at fullback, is to run. And then you have the likes of a Makazoli Mapimpi and a Kurt Lee Orenser out, you know, out on the wings that, you know, are very exciting players and, you know, affords him that opportunity. So, you know, Billy LaRue as a backup, we know he loves getting into the first receiver position as a secondary <laughs> option. And I think Damon's doing that. So, the physical, the physical approach up front. Malcolm Marks in his 50th Test match, I think it's going to be pretty mm. special. We know how dominant he is at, at the breakdown. 
And you know, if the forwards can lay a foundation, um, you know, I really do believe that Andre Pollard was starting to find a bit of form in that last game against Wales as well. So it's it's exciting for us. Uh, Izzy, you know, being almost at the high felt where the grounds are hard and you know, it makes it a lot faster, makes it really enjoyable um, to, to think about what's going to happen. I've never played here. So what's it like? Nelspruit. Oh, it's going to be hot. I mean, in winter, we, I mean, today was 24 degrees there at Leopard Creek. So it'll probably be about you know, 24, 25 degrees on Saturday. It's a, it's a fast surface. Uh, it really is a, a good good stadium to play at. There isn't accommodation. There's no cars available for rental. Um, this whole place is going absolutely bonkers because they've never <laughs> had the opportunity to play against the All Blacks and or to yeah. see the All Blacks play against the Springboks in Nelspruit. So... No, it's really great of South African rugby to, to be bringing the game here. Yeah? I'll never forget playing against the ABs in Rassenburg in 2006. Mm. And it was also uncharted territories for an AB side that had, I think, got won 16 or 17 on the bounce. And, you know, we were able to sneak a victory just purely because it was uncharted territory. So I'm hoping more of the same in, uh, in 2022. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a great experience. It's a sold-out stadium. The city is absolutely bouncing. And... Um, and who knows, maybe some of the ABs get to play Leopard Creek um, uh, on on Sunday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they'll be to play it this week. I saw um, <laughs> Justin Marshall had a game. Man, not all of us can go play all the best golf courses in the world, Brian Abana. <laughs> hey, we better let you get back to your work, mate. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your little insights to this weekend's uh, game that's going to take place. The best games you'll ever play as an All Black, the best test you'll ever play is against the Springboks. And I've had plenty against you, my friend. Toughest games and the toughest uh, times, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, Brian. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great day. Catch you soon. Yeah. Cheers, bud. Brian Habana, the question I get asked, who is your hardest player you've ever played against? Answer? Brian Habana, mate. Oh, he just knew it was going to be a horrible game. He's... Mate, he's a brick. If you, uh, we lost the game in, in South Africa, and I played horrible. Anyway, Brian Abana got the ball. And look, I've been bunted many a times. And, um, yeah, I just went to go tackle him, and bang! Honestly, put me on my back. So it was not a hard thing to do, but this thing hurt, bro. And I actually tried to hit him, and boof, just bounced off him. Is that right? Because he's <laughs> not a big guy. He's not a big guy, eh? But, mate, muscly. Is that oh, right? There's, there's real good footage of that, Kempe. We'll put it up on the Twitter page, if you don't mind, Izzy. It's um, he, 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 like going a million miles an hour. It looked terrifying. Did you play against yeah, Jason Robinson um, in no. the Lions? Is no. he? he was no, the same, no, mate. He was like Brian Habana too. Like You go to tackle him, and the next minute he's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'd hit you and, yeah. and step sideways or backwards and be gone. He'd be five metres away for you before you knew it. So... Yeah, mate, I guess the size doesn't really matter, does it? It's still the hardest place yeah. to tackle. <laughs> they are. Mate, he was great. Yeah, mate. It was good. Good chat to Brian Nevada. We appreciate him coming on the, the show. And Oh, who's that? David Litty has won, brr, got our silver. <laughs> silver in the big weightlifting. The big Pakistani boy, he just lifted the, he set, they set Com Games records three times in a row. And David Litty had to go to 232 if he wanted to win. And he just couldn't quite get there. He didn't get it up on the uh, clean. So unfortunately enough, but seriously, that was an absolute huge lift. And I don't think he was prepared to do it. Um, it was kind of like he didn't even know he would have needed to do that. So it's a silver medal, though, into the pile. That makes it number six for the morning, is it? 
and Paul Cole has evened his game up against the Welshman in the squash gold medal match. So he's taken the second game there. So it's one all. So Colsey now he looks like he's going to wrap it up. But man, this well, he doesn't look like he's going to wrap it up. He could look like he could wrap but it up. But he battled for that too, is he? I don't know if you saw some of the some of the dives, the save points, Coley there. But mate, the West Coast come out of there. He won't given anything up. <laughs> Good. I've seen him firsthand hustling, mate. When I played that game with him, I was like, "Yours, Colsey. Yours, Colsey. Get it, Colsey. Man, they can move. They're quick. <laughs> yeah, he's very, very quick." We're going to talk some more rugby. Some a new Bunnings NPC season kicks off this weekend with plenty of anticipation to see how the competition will shake down with just one division in operation. One of the matches of the first round is undoubtedly the clash between defending Premiership champions Waikato against the extremely consistent Hawks Bay Magpies. Hoping to continue that consistency that, and take them one step further this year is new kid coach of the Black and White Hoops, Josh Symes, and he's on the line now. Simsy, mate, how you going? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, mate. Just quickly, I'll just have to clear a few things up. Daggy here. Obviously, I live in Christchurch. I play for the Crusaders, but I want to tell you, I'm Hawks Bay diehard through and through. You know that, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's anyone in Hawks Bay who doesn't know that. <laughs> okay, just had a few. I've, I've just had a few weary eyes when I when I was commentating for Sky. I said, "Mate, I'm Hawks Bay all day. Don't don't you forget that. Fifty games. All right, mate. Simsy, let's uh, rip into it. How, how's it how's it all been panning out, mate? I've been um, uh, watching the Ramfurly defences obviously on weekend. Had another hit out against Poverty Bay. You happy with how things are shaping up for your first hit out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Ramfurly Shield ones have uh, yeah, they're both very different challenges. South Canterbury were. Mm. We're really, really well prepared and had a big build-up and, and Poverty Bay, you know, obviously only got together for a week. So uh, they were challenging to, to get, you know, our, our heads around the differences in those two. But um, no, no, they're great. And we've had a couple other hit-outs uh, with Auckland and, and Waikato in between. So, yeah, no, I think we're, I think we're in a good space. We've just got to put it on the field uh, at uh, Harvest Four on, on Saturday. Hey, Simsy, yeah. they've obviously moved back to the, the one division where everyone gets to play for the top title. Where do the challenges come from this year for you? Uh, uh, everywhere. Um, <laughs> look, at, you know, there's, there's, there's the perennial heavyweights, that, you know, the super super franchises have, you know, their, their home bases, the Waikato's, the Wellingtons, the Auckland's, the Canterbury's, the Otago's. So obviously you start there and then, then you've got the Battle of the Bays against uh, Bay of Plenty and Taranaki, who were unbeaten last year, so hey, again, and Tasman, who's won two out of the last three. So, um, yeah, uh, where, where do you start? Everybody, I guess. Yeah, everyone's got their their look at their lips at a chance to go and win the title. It's great to have one division. I'm a big fan of it. Back to the old ways. Hey, Simsy, mate. Obviously, losing a goal like Ash Dixon, so much mana and leadership around the group. Who is really taking over that role with you guys to to ensure that that the standards are being kept? Because I know he was really good at just uniting the boys, but how holding them accountable. So, who's taking that role? Well, Tom Parsons is, is the captain of the side this year, obviously, and um, yep. Tommy took over from, from Ash last year, and, and uh, again, he's, he's doing and has done a fantastic job. Um, we've got Brad Weber back uh, at the moment, which is, you know, uh, basically direct replacements for Flau Fakatava, um, <laughs> and, and obviously, Brad, you know, Brad has 
hundreds of first class games as well of experience and leadership with the Chiefs. So obviously we're leaning on him. But um, oh look, a big a big uh, theme and a big note through our side this year is we've got guys who are coming up and to a hundred first class games who are in there. You know, mid-20s, Jonah Lowe's, Pody Rakety Stones, Reno McAuley too, even our, even our, you know, really young Hastings boys, boys that Devin Flanders is, the Danny Tuala's, those boys, Lincoln McClutchies, those mm. guys who've got nearly 100 first-class games now. And, and so, um, you know, they, they need to contribute wow. in a leadership sense. So, yeah, yeah time flies, time flies. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, Simsy. Look, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to the competition. Just on, just on the NBC and the makeup and uh, where rugby's heading in general. Do you think, like, or have you spoken to any of your mates about this? Whether or not, just a, an out and out NPC as an elite competition would uh, be really good for New Zealand rugby and remove the Super Rugby. Oh, look, we'd like to think here in Hawke's Bay we have our own sort of quasi-super franchise. I mean, we have uh, 11, 11 uh, minor Pacifica boys who couldn't find a home at, at um, other Super Rugby franchises. And, and obviously, you know, we'd love to think that we could have one based here. Um, but again, I think it's a dollars and cents thing, right? You know, the, the market has to be there. We love our MPC. I'd hate to take it away from, um, you know, the, the ability for all to achieve in there by making it financially elite. But... Um, Oh, look, the competition's great. Um, you know, the last few years you've seen Taranaki come from a long way back to be un, un, unbeatable. Um, obviously, we've, we've, you know, in 2017, we're second to last. So, you know, you'd like to think that that could happen for everyone. Um, and, you know, who, who knows when you get a bit of money involved, that sort of stuff tends to get pushed to the side, you know. Oh, don't get me started from on down the road in Wellington, mate. The the Cyclops in there, well, way that they don't see Hawks Bay, mate. Uh, it's yeah, one of my pet hates. But don't get me started. We're not here to kick off on them anyway, Simsy. Well, before we no. let you go, we're gonna talk about your head coaching role, mate. You've taken over uh, from Odds. How are you finding it? Uh, stressful. I, I, I know why he was bought. <laughs> I know why he was bald. Um, uh, look, look it, it comes comes with the territory. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that that isn't coaching. That takes a bit of work to make sure, you know, playing management, um, the public, uh, top class are all happy. Um, and, and, and yeah, that makes that makes up uh, a lot of the role. But um, the last few weeks, I guess I've been enjoying getting back and just getting on the grass and coaching and getting us, you know, semi-prepared for a real well-coached and well-prepared um, <coughs> Waikato with uh, young guy McKenzie playing first of eight who might go pretty well for them. Hey, Simsy, just yeah. before we let you go, just um, just one thing, one thing you've found out about yourself over the last few months uh, as a head coach. What, what, what would that be? Uh, crikey. Um, one thing I've found out, <laughs> Uh, I, I think I talk. I think I talk a bit again than I deliver at the moment. But um, yeah, no. I, I guess we'll find out a bit more when when it when it really matters, and and uh, we got to we got to pull the right strings on Saturday. So I, I look. I'd like I'd like to think I found out a bit about my character and a bit about resilience, um, and hopefully hopefully that comes through in, in you know these next ten weeks. 
Oh, I'm backing you, Simsy, mate. We had a draft for the NPC yesterday, and, well, I followed my heart and head went Hawks Bay, and, well, Kempe's from Taranaki, head and picked them till fourth. So there you go. That's saying a few things, mate. I'm backing you. Go the Bay. All the, all the best uh, on the weekend for the rest of the season, mate. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. There is Josh Sims. He's coach of the Hawks Bay Magpies. A couple of great questions there, Kempe, regarding Super Rugby, and they consider themselves a Super Rugby franchise, which they are, mate. They've got plenty of talent, and I can't even believe he's talking about those players. 100 games, Louis. Those yeah. players have already played. Wow, we Seasoned veterans, is he? And don't worry, they know exactly who Daggy is and who he supports. Right now, we are going to talk to another athlete that has done an amazing thing at the Commonwealth Games, Moira Costa. The flurry of medals have been absolutely crazy this morning with every venue delivering for the New Zealand team. In particular, it was a judo team who can hold their head very high as they snagged three medals. Moira Costa and Sydney Andrews both won bronze in their categories while Cody Andrews took a silver for himself. Moira is on the line with us now as a newly minted Commonwealth Games Brom medalist. Congrats, Moira. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, mate, we appreciate you coming on at such short notice. Um, but, mate, congratulations. Tell us about that moment, the moment you realised you'd won bronze medal. Oh, man, I was just, um, just so taken back. You know, all that hard work uh, finally paid off and I got the job done. Lots of hard work, Moira, and you've, you know, it's not new to you, the challenges there the, that you've been there and done that before, but what about the 78-kilogram weight class? Was that, you know, a hard challenge for you? Uh, not really. I, I'm feeling quite light, so um, the weight cut for me is pretty cruisy. I'm about, I think I weighed in, like, more than two kilos underweight, um, so I'm still kind of gaining that strength and building up into that weight class. So, um, yeah, feeling really good, feeling really strong, you know, saying so, I think there's more to come. And you guys have done right. quite well. You've had a, a couple of um, Sydney and Cody also picking up some medals with a silver and a bronze here. What's it, what's it been like being in camp um, and just in general watching how well New Zealanders are doing over there in the Commonwealth Games? Oh, man, it's inspirational. It's it's so awesome to be around like-minded people, you know, and, and people achieving so well. And New Zealand's been doing so well in the game, so it's just lovely to be around those sort of people, you know. I've, um, I've been thinking about it. I've got a, fr- a couple of friends that, that their kids get into judo, and they really love it, and now they've gone on and, and uh, having a nice little career. So how did you get into your judo? Did you start at a young age? Yeah, I actually started when I was a wee one. I was five, um, and I started in South Africa. Um, and I was a bit of a tomboy. I wanted to beat up the boys. I was the only girl <laughs> in the class. And so um, <laughs> I thought, wow, if the boys can do it, I definitely can do it, and I can do it better. <laughs> Beautiful. Beat up the boys. I love that. I'm thinking about getting my kids into yeah. it. I think it'll be just a good mechanism growing up, uh, particularly in the rural areas, look after themselves. All right, Moira, <laughs> uh, we're going to let you go shortly. But what's next for you and the team? How tough is qualification for the Olympics? Uh, it's not too tough, you know, it's doable. Uh, we've just got to really knuckle down and just get the work done, and I think it's achievable for a couple of us, yeah. And, and Maura, what have, what have you enjoyed up there at the moment? What's the other sports that you've enjoyed watching? Are, are you a track and field person, or do you like watching the silver ferns and the cyclists or the swimmers? What, what, what's your pick? 
Oh, man, it's been awesome to see the Stevens guys. They were really lovely, lovely bunch of people. And to see them get so close, you know, and that was, yeah, they're just amazing to watch. Yeah, nice. Well, that's uh, a big congratulations from us here at SENZ, both me and Izzy especially. Thanks a lot for coming on the Izzy and Kempe uh, for breakfast, and we wish you all the best for the future, and everyone yep. down here in New Zealand has been cheering you on this morning. Well done, Maura. Mm, very Go proud well. of you. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. There you go. That's Maura Costa. She picked up a bronze medal this morning in the 78-kilogram class. Just chuck another one on the pile, though. Oh. <laughs> Joe, is that, is that confirmed? Maddie Weish has got bronze in the women's shot put. Chuck another track and field medal on to the pile. Boom, the Kiwis are flying. So will the All Blacks be Sunday morning. Izzy's Bomb Squad. Yeah, we're coming up to the weekend, and we spoke to Brian Habana. So if you've only just joined us, you've got to go have a listen to Brian Habana on the Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Download it on the SENZ app, and you will get that chat. We chatted to the legend, 100 Tess veteran. And Kempe asked him a great question about line speed. And, well, if anyone knows how to nullify line speed, it's uh, Brian Habana. Just score intercepts. Get out for your line and wingers. Get out there and, and shut the ball down. So great to have him on our show. But right now... I thought it would be, uh, well, I'm just going to try and project my team. My team to play uh, on the weekend. A team that is going to start and get the job done. So I'll start from up front. I'm going Bauer, Taylor, sorry, Angus. So there's my front row. Bauer, Taylor, Ta'avo. And then Barrett, Whitelock in the middle. And then I've got Ioani, Kane to captain and Savira at eight. I've got Aaron Smith at 9. I've got Richie Moonga at 10. Um, obviously, Bowden Barrett's had the reins during the Irish series. I think it might be time just to have give Richie a little bit of a crack, see what he can do. So Richie Moonga to start at 10. You've got Caleb Clark on the left wing. No, he's played no rugby. But, hey, we know how devastating he is. And, look, he's been training. He's been in the environment. Um, I'm projecting him to start on the left wing. And then you've got David Harvilli at 12, and you've got Rico Iwani at centres. Look, the reason I'm not going with Jack, obviously Jack's injured, so uh, Rico Iwani will get a start at 13. You've got Will Jordan on the right wing. Will will start on the right with Geordie Barrett at fullback. And then rounding out the, the reserves, you've got Coles, DeGroote, Laulala. I'll put Tupo Vai. I'll put Tupo Vai on the bench. Um, the reason I've gone for Tupo Vai is he can play lock and he can also cover six. So you've got two options and you've got a bit of a variation there to allow another loose forward on, on the reserves with Papa Lee. So I'll put Papa Lee on there, Dalton, to add another little emphasis at the breakdown. I've got Finlay Christie for the reserve halfback. Bowden Barrett on the bench. We know how devastating he has been. Well, back in the 2015s when he came on that last 20, 20 minutes and pretty much changed the game. And Gig touched on it earlier. The game in 2013, he came on, he changed the game. That game we won in the last nine minutes. And then I've gone for Sevu Reese to round out that All Blacks 23. So that is my squad, lads. What do you think? I like it. Sorry about that. I like it, Izzy. I like how you've got some, I guess, blokes that uh, have a bit of size and probably want to tough it out. I think that's what we need. Guys that are going to have mm. to get out there, not rely on just pure ability, but be willing to put them, 
themselves in those dark places for a period of time and hang in there. Because uh, I think I think the team that wins it, especially the travelling team, the all-black team that is picked to win it, is a team that can hang in there and get it late. I don't think they get mm. it early. Not against the South Africa, not against the South Africans. I think they've got to be there right from the get go and and um, and wear them down just by by competing. Yeah, I, I just I think the biggest debate is whether we we continue with with Bodie and don't get me wrong, Bodie's uh, still a classy player, or do we flip the switch and give Richie Moonga a go? I think that's probably the biggest debate we're going to get from when the team is announced. I'm I'm pretty sure it'll be announced shortly in the next uh, day or so. We'll get an inkling to whether All Blacks are leading, but yeah, I, I think it might be time just to just to give it a variation. Knowing what um, Bodie can bring off the bench, what's your thoughts? I know you're a Richie Moonga fan, uh, Louis. Uh, I think the team will be named overnight tonight, as far as I can work out from the All Blacks media schedule. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting point about Richie Moonga there because when he came on in that Irish series, it's so hard to know how much to read into that Irish series. I think I'm really struggling with that because there was so much wrong with the All Blacks in general. It's almost bad enough that you just throw it out and start again, which means that you give mm. Bowden Barrett a reprieve and you say, oh, well, it actually wasn't his fault because the set piece was faltering. There were so many issues with communication and actual direction. But when Richie Moonga did come on, he gave them something else, especially with that wide ball. He managed to find those channels out wide with the All Blacks. You think about the archetypical All Blacks teams that you played in, Izzy. Dane Coles, Kieran Reid, Jerome Kino, ranging in those wide mm. channels with yourself and Corey Jane, the Kahui's, um, the Ricos sniffing in around them to get that offload and go whooshka. Well, Richie Moonga was starting to open those wide channels when he came on. And I don't know what mm. it is that he does a little bit differently. It might be how flat he stands. It might be um, how he comes onto the ball. It might be the style of his pass. I don't actually know. It's probably a question for you. But he did unlock something different. I don't think they will go with him this week, but I could see a mm. world in which he starts the second test. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right there. They probably stay true because you're, you're right. This wasn't wasn't Bodie's fault. And for sure, you can't really have an imprint on the game when you come on so late and you're under so much pressure. Um, I just think the difference for, for Richie it's his ability to really make that de- defence second guess whether they can come up. You're talking about line speed, Kempe. When you've got a 10 that can attack the line and, and put teams under pressure, you know, you get a bit wary of, of coming off the line or, or trying to leave your, your second defender outside your back so you create that little door for them to ca- get that half gap and, and make that half break, which Richie is very good. He will destroy you if you you know, fold on the inside and you fall under and you leave that space on your inside defender. So uh, it be interesting to see where they go. Um, I think that, that combination with Harvelli, um, you know, obviously through the Super Rugby, that might be an influence, giving them a chance. Look, it's it's anyone's guess, but I think the big one is 10. And also, do they give Caleb Clark an opportunity? Let us know, double eight, double three. Who is your team? Would you give Richie a go? Or would you stay true and true with Bowden Barrett? And we, do you expect Caleb Clark to have a game? Do you expect no rugby? He's had nothing since Super Rugby when he jumped into uh, one of those players and got a red card. I think that was his last time we, we seen him play. So... It's been a hell of a long time for Caleb Clark, but would you give him a crack? Double eight, double three, or all at hundred one five zero eight eleven. Love it, Izzy. Great questions to poise. I'd feel stiff on Leicester Fanganuku. Personally, I think he's been picked for a reason. I want them to persist with him. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.